so uh, I wanted to do this just because um, a couple reasons. So what we're talking about tonight is um, being a, how to be a good witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you're like, what in the world? How does that have anything to do with what we're talking about? All right. So really, the stuff that we did doesn't really matter. I mean, there are stories that are told all the time, and people may or may not believe you. Like, for example, you know, there are so many times over the last couple of years during the school year that uh, Lily would come home, and she'd be like, well, my friend said, da, 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 da. and I'm like, Lily, your friends are lying to you. <laughs> that is totally not true. Yeah, but no, they wouldn't lie to me. Yeah, they would. They would totally lie to you. So I automatically put doubt about people in my daughter's mind, which is a good thing when it's done the right way. But anyway, the whole point being is that when you're when you are a good witness, it is much easier and much um, more effective to tell a story, especially in such great detail like Haley's um, or crazy like Petey's, um, if you know like all the details of it. And there's some stories where, like that is so ridiculous it has to be true because you know all the details about it. But if you are caught on the spot where you're making up a lie and then people start asking you questions about it, poking holes through your story, then it's going to find out eventually that you're just a flat-out liar. And so when it comes to this whole topic of being a good witness of Jesus Christ, I wanted to do something stupid and dumb to show you that on the spiritual side, in order to be a good witness for the Lord Jesus Christ, you have to know what you're talking about. You have to know what you're talking about because people can spot hypocrites and frauds from a mile away. They can. I mean, think about it. I know this is true with you guys because it was true with me. When I went to school, there were people that called themselves Christians that were not Christians. Am I right? They say they love God, but then the way they talk about people behind their back and the way they do things that are very disrespectful to teachers and other friends, the things they do like even cheating and stealing answers off a test or, or whatever, just trying to get ahead, they are, they're not. I mean, especially once you start getting into middle school, later on in the years of middle school and you get into high school, I had a lot of friends of mine that said that they loved God and they were Christians and they went to church faithfully, but then all of a sudden they'd go off partying on the weekends with some of their friends over at their friend's house where their parents would let them drink. And I'm like, and it made me so mad so mad because in those circumstances they are not helping god at all like at all why would someone who doesn't believe in god want to listen to someone who's just a flat-out hypocrite so when it comes to your guys' stories about god i believe sometimes and it's maybe you in the room i don't know but some of you don't open up your mouth and don't talk about the gospel because your life is just full of hypocrisy because if you did talk about jesus christ they wouldn't believe you because your life does not match up with the message that you're saying. And so here's the reality. If that's you, you can repent. You can repent. And you can change your ways and you can start being a good testimony. But I wanted to talk about this right now, especially with the first week of school. Except for Lake, of course. For the first week of school because some of you guys, you are just now starting. And it's much easier to start off a good school year than it is to start off bad and then try to correct it later. It's much easier to start off good the first day doing things that are right and that are godly and that are true than to, ah, you know what, I'm just going to ease into it. No, that's not how this works. If you if you want to make a commitment to the Lord and you want to stand out, then start taking your Bible to school like right now. Like maybe you didn't take your Bible to school today. Or maybe for those of you that went to Jackson or that go to Jackson, maybe you didn't take your Bible to school Monday, Tuesday, or today. But maybe you need to do it tomorrow. Start early. 
if you have conversations with people, start early. Um, you know, I laughed big time with your story <laughs> because it was great. But go ahead and tell it really quick. All right, so it was during study hall, and Jack and I were sitting together, and I was reading One Thing You Can't Do in Heaven. He was kind of just reading his Bible. We were just talking about the youth group and things here and there, and this kid that knew Jack walked over, and he started talking about all this stuff and, like, kind of making He's like, you guys go to a church that, like, just burns people at the stakes, don't you? Like, throws them in the river with rocks tied to them and stuff. And I was, like, I was kind of just ignoring him, brushing him off and stuff. Well, he just kept kind of going. And I was like, so what do you believe in? He's like, well, he's like, I'm not going to deny that a God exists, but he might not exist. He's like, I'm not going to take a stance. I'm like, oh, okay. And so I was like, you know, by saying that you don't believe in a God, you're basically saying there is no God. And he's like, well, no. I'm like, well, yeah. And so, you know, he kind of shut up for a minute or two. And then. A couple minutes later, kept talking again. I was like, you know what? I was like, why don't you just come to church tonight? And I was like, you can see all the people we're going to burn at the stake and chuck in the river. And then he kind of, he's like, well, he's like, I like how you go with the joke. And I was like, it's not a joke. I'm like, let's go. And he's like, and he kind of just like, well, he's like, I used to be kind of Roman Catholic and just, you know, excuses, excuses, because he didn't want to come. And so he kind of ended there. But yeah, that was basically. Yeah. So, but see, here's the thing that, that I appreciate about that is that, you know, for, for you and Jack's first day, you start off the first day in controversy <laughs> about spiritual things and about biblical things, but that kid has no doubt where you stand now. But now here's the thing. When you do that, and I think this is another reason why people don't talk about Jesus, by the way. When you do that, now there's greater accountability on you guys because now he's going to be watching you guys closer and he's going to be waiting for you to mess up. I mean, right? So when you open up your mouth and you talk about Jesus, you represent God and if you represent God because you are his witness, then people are going to try to find whatever they can to poke holes through your testimony so that way they can feel better about not believing in God and how somehow justify their current beliefs about evolution or not believing there is a God or that there is no hell or that there's no consequence for sin or whatever it might be. So this is something that's really, really important for you guys. And so I really wanted to talk about this right out of the gate because... This is the perfect time for you to be a good witness for the Lord. And so there's some things that are absolutely key to this. And so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about this uh, this week. And then in the weeks to come, we're going to hit some practical um, other aspects of being a disciple. There's going to be a little bit of overlap, but I think that's fine because it's good for us to hear some of the stuff through repetition. All right. So let's talk about this. So the first thing is this, is if you want to be a good witness for the Lord Jesus Christ, you have to spend quality time with God. You have to. And the emphasis is on quality emphasis in case you didn't get that <laughs> it is on quality quality time there are some people that spend you know maybe an hour in the bible but it doesn't mean anything let me ask you a quick question if you spent any time in the bible over the past three days do you even remember what you read if you can remember what you read you spent some quality time if you're like oh i know the chapter i read but what did that chapter say? That was not quality time. Because you didn't retain anything. You spent time, but it wasn't quality time. This is very important. It is much better for you to retain 15 minutes of your time with God than it is to spend an hour, two hours, three hours, 24 hours with God and not understand or not remember anything that you did. It is much better to do it that way because God is not honored by the act of reading and studying the Bible. He wants you to do it, but God is not honored by that. He is not glorified by that. 
God is glorified when you read it, you know it, and then you do it. And the only way you can do what you know is if you actually retain it. And it actually makes an impact in your life. So it's all about quality time. Go over to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. And some of you guys struggle with getting in the Bible in general because you are shooting for the moon rather than being just flat out realistic. Because um, even just a little bit of progress is better. Like if you struggle with getting in the Bible on a daily basis and you struggle with praying, it's much better for you to spend like, okay, tomorrow I'm going to spend five minutes, which is like nothing. I mean, all of you can spend at least five minutes praying and five minutes in the Bible. I know you can do that. But if you just spent a good quality five minutes with God in the Bible and five minutes in prayer, 10 minutes total out of your entire day, and you just started there, that's better than the day previous where you spent zero time in the Bible and zero time with God. Start somewhere. Just start somewhere and then start working your way through. It's kind of like when we did that series on prayer. We challenged at the end of the week, pray for five minutes. And then the next week, pray for 10 minutes. And the next week, pray for 15 minutes. And we kept doing that until you were praying for like 45 minutes. And it's much easier to start off with the five and start and then go to 10 and then go to 15. So just start somewhere. I don't care what it is or where it is, but just start somewhere and start to spend some quality time with God. All right, so Acts chapter one. So um, obviously we know the context of this um, is that Jesus died, uh, he resurrected, and the first chapter details his ascension into heaven. And so um, you have in verse, uh, verse 4, And being assembled together with them, commanded them, so Jesus is speaking to his disciples, that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? So within your understanding of the whole scriptures, you got to understand at this point in time, the events that take place like right here in your Bible have not happened yet. So all they know is what's happened back here. And they know the Old Testament and they know that when the Messiah shows up, that he's going to do many different works and he's going to do wonders. He's going to prove to everybody that he's the Messiah. But there's going to come a point in time where he is going to set up the kingdom. I mean, you can read this. I'm, I'm going through Isaiah right now in my devotions. And it is all over the place in Isaiah. All over the place about how the Messiah is going to come and he's going to establish his kingdom and there will be no end. And he'll be able, he will rule the, the earth and everybody will be submissive to him. It's all over the place in the book of Isaiah. It's all over the place in all the Old Testament prophets. So that's what they're expecting. He died, he resurrected, and now they're saying, so now are you going to set up the kingdom? Is now the time? Is, is, is this, I mean, this, is this what we've been waiting for? And they were, I'm, I'm sure they were super excited about it because they went up to the Mount of Olives, which by the way is prophesied in Zechariah as the place where when he comes back, he's going to come and he's going to split the mountain in two and he's going to take over the entire world by force. And so they're going up to Mount of the Mount of Olives and they're going to expect like those events to occur. So I'm sure they were pumped. They were probably psyched out of their mind. And so then they asked this question and then immediately their bubble is bursted because you got verse seven. And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses. There it is. Witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. 
And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. So, it's just kind of weird. They're like, so, are you, now? Like, now you're going to set up the kingdom? Like, now going to be the time? It's not for you to know. But here's what you can know. The Holy Ghost is going to come, give you power. You're going to be witnesses everywhere. The whole world, starting in Jerusalem, but throughout the whole world, you're going to be my witness. It's like a bird in the wall. Crazy kids. And so you're going to be my witnesses throughout the entire world. And then after he makes that statement, he's just, And then they're just standing. That's all they do. They're like... I mean, I, I, I just picture that. I'm like, so is he going to come like back like now? You know, now. And then he's going to split everything in half. And he's going to... Is it going to be now? But then the angels are like, why are you standing there looking? That's exactly what they said. It says in verse 11... Which said, the two men in white apparel, which said, also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivier, which is from Jerusalem about a Sabbath day journey. And this is exactly what Jesus said, because he said in verse 4 of the same chapter, that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. So they're expecting something, and God just completely changes course. But he tells them one thing. You are going to be witnesses unto me. That's all they knew. That's all they had to know. Once the Holy Spirit came, they were to be witnesses. That's their job. Now, here's the reality of it. If you just go back to Matthew, go back to Matthew, the last chapter of Matthew. Just go back a couple books. Petey and I read this one today. Matthew 28. Take a look at 19. Someone read that. 19 and 20. Go ahead. No. You are ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Okay. So specifically, he tells his disciples, you know that from verse 16, then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, unto a mountain, same mountain, where Jesus had appointed them. And Jesus now tells them, Go ye therefore, in verse 19, and teach all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, from Acts chapter 1, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So, that's their job. They were to go to be witnesses, to go and make disciples, teach all nations, baptize. Spread the gospel. Those that believe the gospel are then baptized. And then they make disciples out of those people. And then those disciples are supposed to go and do the exact same thing. Because how in the world can 11, once you throw in Matthias, 12 guys, apostles, how can they go and reach the whole world when it's just 12? Discipleship. Yes, discipleship. Discipleship. That's the only way. That's the only way it can happen. Because 12 people can't possibly go to every corner of the world and share the gospel. It's, it's not possible. So in order for them to be faithful to what God has called them to do, being a witness, they had to go share the truth. People then believe it. They are baptized. Then they are discipled. And those disciples then go out and do the exact same thing. And it goes over and over and over and over and over until the whole world hears the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the job. 
And that is our job. Because we are Christians, most of us anyway, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you're a Christian, you're a born-again believer. And if you're born again, then it is your responsibility to not be ashamed of being born again and to be baptized like we had this past Sunday and become a disciple of Jesus Christ. And as a disciple, then you go wherever you are and you evangelize and you tell people the truth, even though sometimes it's hard and you're going to get made fun of. There's no doubt about it. You go and you do that so other people can hear the truth, so they can believe, so then they can become disciples of Jesus Christ and go and do the exact same thing. That's the point. That's all we're supposed to do. And the thing about it is, is we're terrible at it. We are terrible at it. There are so many people that need to hear the truth, and we are flat-out cowards. And so we have to let our love for God and our love for people outweigh your fear. You have to. That's the only way this can happen. Because, yeah, every time I share the gospel or I share the truth, I'm afraid. Like, even today, you know, we were discipling, we were at Mugswigs. And this dude next to us, out of all the places, it was so funny, the dude next to us just popped up in his computer and started doing stuff. Well, Petey got up, used the bathroom. This guy packed up his stuff, and he was making a comment. He's like, you guys have been talking so much. When are you going to start studying the Bible? And I'm like, we're going to get to it. And he's like, you sure? Because I just see you guys talking the whole time. I'm like, that's part of discipleship, by the way. But anyway, um, but what he ended up doing was is that he, he started talking. He's like, what church do you go to? So I told him. And uh, so then that gave me an opportunity. I said, well, where do you go to church? He's like, oh, well, I really don't go anywhere right now. I'm like, hmm. like, well, if you want to, you're more than welcome to come to our church. So I invited him, gave him one of my pastoral business cards that has the address and directions and everything, and gave it to him. And I said, we'd love to have you sometime. But we got into a great conversation about stuff. And I don't know where he, he's at with things of God or not. But even that, like I was nervous just even doing that. I felt awkward just doing that. So the only way this can work is that we're going to be afraid. There's no doubt about it. But you have to let your love for God and your love for people overcome your fears. You have to. Or else you are going to be unfaithful. And I'm pretty sure there's not a single one of us in here that desires to be unfaithful. Like I'm sure that there's not a single one of us that wants to stand before God. And God's like, you didn't do what I told you. And you're like, yep, I know I didn't. And I'm proud of it. Like, no. I mean, come on. We all want to please God. It's in us. But the issue is is that are you going to let that override your selfishness? Are you going to let that override your fear of being criticized, your fear of being ridiculed, your fear of who knows what, all these vain imaginations? Because what we end up doing, and we're going to talk about this when we talk about evangelism, but what we do before you even open your mouth and talk to somebody about the truth, whether it's about the gospel or something in the Bible or whatever, we tend to play out the entire conversation in our head, and then the end result is always negative, and then we convince ourselves not to talk in the first place because we've already had the conversation and it's not going to go well. <laughs> Don't we do that? We do that. When you have no idea how it's going to go. I mean, maybe there's a 90% chance it's going to go that way. But 10%, you have no idea how it's going to go. I mean, how do you not know that it could be the one person of the crazy stories that you hear of... You know, I've just been thinking about things of eternity and what happens after I die. Yes, I'm interested to hear more. <laughs> you have no idea. Because God is always working in the hearts of people. Because God loves people. You have to remember verses like 2 Peter 3, 9. God is not willing that any should perish and that all should come to repentance. It is in God's heart that every person should be saved. 
It is in God's heart that he wants every human being to be with him for all eternity. And because of that, he's always working on people's hearts to come to know him as their savior. He always is. It may not look like it, but he always is because God is faithful and he doesn't leave anybody out. So that's important. It's important. But it starts with spending quality time with God. Because if you don't spend quality time with God, you're never going to think how God thinks. And so then what you're left with is how you think. And that means you're going to have no conversations because the way you think defeats yourself. And you're not going to have any fruit for the Lord because you're not going to be serving him because you're not thinking how he thinks. So the more quality time you spend with God, talking to God honestly about your struggles, your issues, your selfishness, the things that worry you, the things that give you anxiety, even about potential conversations, um, when you spend time in God's word and it means something to you and it's super personal, like those things, they help you change your thinking, which is another word for repent. They help you repent and change the way you're thinking and start make you start helping you to think the way that God thinks. And then you'll start to have a heart for people. And then the more of a heart for people that you have, and the more heart you have for God, then it's going to overcome your fears. But if you never spend quality time with God, your heart will never be changed, ever. Your heart will never be changed. It's like, you know, there are times that I know this has happened in your guys' life. There's somebody in your life who, that you know that they're just mad at you. You just know they are. I mean, you're just convinced that they are so mad at you for whatever reason because of the way that they don't talk to you or the way they walk past you or whatever. But little do you know, it has nothing to do with you and they're actually not mad with you at all. Has that ever happened? I'm sure that's happened at times. You misread people. And because you misread people, then you start having a bad attitude towards them when they never had a bad attitude towards you. And now you're the one that's wrong. This is what we do all the time, all the time. We need to think rightly. So in order to think rightly, you need to start thinking about things from God's perspective. You have to. So you gotta spend quality time with God. And that includes spending time in the word of God because this is God's mind and you get to know how God thinks because of the Bible. And then you have to be praying to him. You've gotta talk to him about what's going on in your life. And you gotta start looking at the Bible from a different perspective. Some people think that the Bible is boring. The Bible is the most amazing book I've ever touched in my life. I mean, even today, like I was reading in Isaiah, and I always, I've read Isaiah 14 like so many times, and I have even a chunk of it memorized about Lucifer and his fall and everything, but there's some verses right before that that I'm like, oh my gosh, I've never seen these things before, and it broadened my perspective about the devil, and what it did for me is it actually opened up this whole idea of how the Bible says that when Lucifer falls finally once and for all, and he's bound in hell in the bottomless pit, and then he's thrown into the lake of fire, it actually says that hell itself is going to be moved at his coming. And all the kings and the nobles that are in hell are going to actually be able to see because they can't wait to see the devil because you know what they're going to say? So is this the one that made the entire earth to tremble? And now you've become as weak as us? They're going to make fun of Satan when he falls. Can you imagine the blow to the devil's pride when he gets to hell after he's defeated by Jesus Christ and everyone in hell is making fun of the devil because he lost? I'm like, oh, he's going to be ticked. I mean, he's going to be mad and there's nothing he can do about it because he has no power. He has, he has no power. There's nothing that he can do. And yet all these people, all these kings, and like I even think of different rulers of 
like, you know, I think of Hitler and I think about, you know, how he ruled and I think about like Napoleon and I think about, um, you know, Muhammad and I think about, uh, you know, just like all these evil guys over the centuries that have just mass, mass, just genocide with people and, and tried to rule and manipulate. All those guys are going to be making fun of the devil because he lost and he couldn't win. So little things like that, I'm like, oh my goodness, I've never seen that before. What else does the Bible have that I've not seen yet? And it keeps me going. It keeps me excited. So the problem is, is you don't read the Bible enough or study the Bible enough to even find any of those nuggets. And so then the Bible's boring to you when the Bible is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. All right. So we're going to push it a little bit. All right, because we're, we're out of time already. The game's went a little bit too long. All right, so number two, you got to spend quality time with God to be a good witness. But number two, you need to create and maintain a good testimony with others. We talked about this a little bit. And I'm going to have you look up these verses later because these are some really, really good verses. Paul talks about in Acts 23 and in 24 how he always has a conscience void of offense toward God and toward man. It is his goal. It was his goal in life that whatever he did, that he was going to be absolutely blameless. Because here's the reality. You're going to screw up and you're going to make mistakes. There's going to be people, like we just talked about, Jack, Noah, you know, you're, as you go along, there's going to be no doubt that you're probably going to lose your temper and people are going to point their finger back at you. What do we do in that scenario? I mean, do we stop just talking and we stop being a good testimony and we stop witnessing to people and we stop reading our Bible because we made one mistake? That's what we often do. We defeat ourselves and then we keep ourselves defeated because we messed up. No, you own up to it. You own up to it and you say, I was wrong. You're right. I shouldn't have done that. You're right. You know, I love Jesus and someone that loves Jesus shouldn't have done that. And I was wrong. You do something like that. What else can they say to you? <laughs> what else can they do? Nothing. It's about being blameless. It's about having a good testimony. Your testimony is one of the most valuable things that you can keep and maintain right now at this age. Because everything's coming at you to try to destroy your testimony. Try to get you to buckle under pressure. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I can tell you story after story of things that happened to me and how people were trying to get me to do things that were impure. It was crazy. It was crazy. Because people that have a good testimony don't usually make it that far along in school. They usually blow it at some turn or another. But just be honest about it. But your, your testimony will be spoken of one way or another, for good or for bad. And so make sure that it's spoken of for good things. Maintain a good testimony. If you're going to be a good witness, you've got to have the life that backs it up. That's the whole point. Share the truth faithfully. So when you spend time with God, quality time with God, and you have a good testimony, then look for open doors. You should always be looking for open doors to share the truth. And it doesn't always have to be the gospel and giving the full counsel of God about whatever matter. You don't have to always do that. Sometimes just saying that you go to church, God will use that to do something amazing in someone's life. You have no idea. Think about it this way. If God can use a false prophet like Benny Hinn, who is ridiculous when it comes to some of his charismatic beliefs. I mean, he's, he's, he's a total, total whack job. I mean, he is, he is a false prophet to the nth degree. But if God can use someone like that and people can get saved in his services, which has happened before because at the end of all his nonsense, he does generally give the gospel at the end, people can get saved at those services. If God can use something like that that is totally against God's will, he can use your one small comment about going to church to change someone's perspective. You have no idea. You have no idea. You don't always have to give everybody all the good straight up front. Just be faithful to speak the truth when you have the opportunity. You've been in trust with it and you need to do something about it. All right. 
Uh, we're going to talk about this one the next uh, next week, but if you flip your papers over, we got number four. Deal with your sin authentically. Now, this one is always a fun topic um, because no one wants to talk about dealing with their sin. But we're going to spend some time talking about this next week. How do you actually deal with your sin properly? How do you overcome some sin issues in your life, especially if you've been struggling with them? So um, those passages right there are some really, really good passages. Um, but when you're willing to deal with your sin, it will help you to create and maintain a godly testimony that God can use. And even the bad parts of your story that you're super ashamed of, those can be the most effective parts of your testimony. I am super embarrassed about the mistakes in my life because I've made some doozies. I've made some really bad mistakes. So I can choose either to shut my mouth about it and not share those, or I can actually open up and share about my mistakes that I've made and allow God to be honored because I'm an idiot and for you to be encouraged because you might be able to identify with some of those things. So even those things that you struggle with, like some of you might struggle with anxiety. Some of you might struggle with, um, you know, just being lazy. Some of you might struggle with uh, just maybe relationships. Maybe you've made a bad decision when it comes to relationships with the opposite sex or with the same sex. I don't know. Maybe in those circumstances, people need to hear your testimony because other people are struggling with the exact same thing. How do you know? Until you do something about it. Blake. Your dad's the door. All right, and then lastly, so we're going to talk about that next week, but lastly, you got to walk in humility. And humility is part of this whole thing. But you got to walk in humility. Humility and the fear of the Lord go hand in hand, and it will uphold you and sustain you. It will. And so what I love about this is um, Isaiah 57. I wish we had time to go there, but it basically says that God dwells with those that are humble and contrite, and he makes them alive. So when it comes to your sin and your mistakes and the things that you do that are displeasing to God, if you're willing to just humble yourself and give them over to the Lord, he will be with you. God says very, very clearly, in fact, we will look at this one. Go over to James James 4. James 4. And we'll end on uh, James. James chapter 4. James 4. Verse 4. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. That is a doozy. Do ye think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Look at verse 10. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. See, the key here is God resists the proud. Now, the reason why God resists the proud is not like somehow God's like fighting against you if you're, pride, if you're prideful. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. I picture it like this. God is a giant river. And when you decide to walk the opposite way against the will of God, you're going to be resisted. Right? It's not the river's fault that you decide to go the opposite way. It's yours that you're choosing to go the wrong direction and you feel a constant resistance and pressure until you finally yield to the will of God in your life. That's how it works. That's how it works. So if you're going to choose to live in opposition to God, you should expect resistance. Life is going to be very, very difficult until you get right with the Lord. Or, or maybe you don't know him at all and there's other things that God's trying to get your attention with. But that's something you need to think about. 
God is always resisting the proud, but he gives grace unto the humble. If you're willing just to humble yourself and yield to the Lord, then he's going to lift you up. He's going to lift you up and everything's going to be just fine, no matter how bad it is. I don't care how bad it is. Okay, so with that said, next week, we're going to do overcoming sin issues. Now, here's what I'd like to do. I want to get your guys' feedback. So if you need to go, that's fine. You can go Um, because I know some of you need to get out of here. But um, what I want to do is I want to get your guys' feedback. So I want you guys to answer a couple questions, and I want to write it up on the board, and I'm going to try to address some of these specifically. Like I'm going to craft a lesson next week to be just this direction. So when it comes to sin issues and overcoming sin issues, what is the hardest thing for you when it comes to overcoming sin issues? And what other questions might you have about the topic? But what's the hardest thing for you when it comes to overcoming sin issues? Like what's the thing that keeps tripping you up, or what's something that you've always wanted to ask when it comes to overcoming sin issues? Yeah. Um, for me, it's like I want to give up that sin, but at the same time, I want to hold on to it. So I'm not giving it up fully, even though I know I should. Okay. Okay. Um, and then I'm also going to do loving sin. Because that's the reality behind it. And that's a tough truth to really swallow, but that's the truth. What else we got? Okay, yeah, absolutely. So embarrassing to deal with. Okay. What else about sin issues, Jack? Availability. Availability meaning you have access to it? Okay. So you have access. Okay, all right. Good. What else we got? What's the biggest thing that keeps tripping you up when it comes to sin issues? Yeah. People around you? Yes. That's huge. Huge. Yep. Truly repenting and changing. Yes. True repentance. Okay. Yep. Feeling the need to stand up for yourself whenever you know you were wrong in the first place and you just need to back down. Yep. Defending. Um, so we'll just do pride. That's what that is. But defending or excusing sin. I think that'd be a good one. Black accountability. Yeah. Yeah, people around you. And I'll, yeah, we'll do that with black. Yeah, you need people in your life. Because, I mean, it's kind of like when you want to get advice about something that you know you probably shouldn't be doing, but then you go to the people that you know are going to give you the advice that are in favor of what you really want to do anyway. Yeah, we tend to do that sometimes too. Same thing. If you really want accountability about your struggles, then you actually have to go to somebody who will actually hold you accountable. <laughs> uh, surprise! Yeah. I think that yeah. kind of goes with like the embarrassment thing. Because yeah. Sometimes people feel like they can't have an accountability partner for certain things because yeah. they don't. They have that embarrassment. Feel like those are kind of tied sometimes. Yeah, embarrassment and lack of accountability. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Even like true repentance with giving it up completely. Those two really go together too. All right. That's pretty good. Anybody else have anything else they need to share? Yeah. Peer pressure. Yep. People around you. We'll do beer. Fast. Okay. All right. All right. Good. All right. Sweet. Yeah, Jamie. Uh, one more thing you get a lot with people is not knowing what the Bible says about whatever you're facing. So mm-hmm. not knowing the scripture behind it. Yeah. Why it's wrong or why we shouldn't be doing this thing. 
Ignorant about the Bible. Okay, good. I think that's a good list. I'll be lucky to be able to hit all of them. Um, okay, good. So I think this would be a good topic to talk about next week. Um, so we'll talk about that. If anything comes up in the meantime um, that you think of, you're like, oh, I really want to talk about that. Just shoot me a text. Let me know. If you don't have my number, I'll give it to you. Um, you can even contact me through the group me directly. That'd be fine. Um, and you can let me know about that. But we'll, that's what we'll cover next week. This is going to be a great topic. So come next week. And uh, if you even got some friends that would be, I don't know, be valuable for them to hear this next week, then bring them too. Right? And we've always got the podcast as well. So if you happen to miss it, you can't make it, then we've always got that. Um, and if you need to figure out how to get onto that, then I'll let you know about that too. All right? Okay. All right. Let's pray. Bob, you want to pray? Close. Yeah. Dear God, it's always a privilege uh, to be in your house and hear from your word, God. Um, I thank you for uh, Stephen and his heart and uh, just for his honesty up there, Lord. And I pray that uh, you take these truths and you drive them deep into our heart. That uh, what's being said, it's not uh, it's not just lip service, Lord. Uh, we care about uh, these kids. And uh, I just pray that it would create life change. Uh, your word never returns void. Uh, we're the ones who choose uh, not to obey, Lord. So I pray that the things that they heard uh, tonight, Lord, that they would... Um, just take them to school with them. Uh, the, as Stephen said, he made a great point. Uh, they're starting a, a new school year, and there's no better time than now to, to take a stance for you. It'll only get harder as the school year goes on. So I pray that they would make that change now so that how they're known in school is that they took a stance for you from day one. Um, and the persecution will come, and I pray you would surround these kids um, with like-minded believers, that they would lock arms together. Um, that this would be a safe zone, uh, that they can fellowship and uh, just recuperate and then go back out and fight the battle, Lord. So we thank you. Uh, just pray for protection uh, and that you just continue to guide this ministry. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, don't forget Friday we got the cookout. So if you need to sign up, um, do it. And if you find out that you can come, you know, when it comes to the next couple of days and you didn't think you could or vice versa, let me know. All right, see you.